What day is it? The date? 16 May, Saturday. What year? What? 2020. But then, why are we rewatching 1984's The Terminator? Because this, this is, is a pointless, pointless rewind. Oh man, that was terrible. <laughs> That's all right. Everyone just tuned out just now. Listen, as long as someone was tuned in in the first place, I'm fine if everyone left because then we'll get that hit, right? Don't worry. They're still listening. They're still listening. All right, always the optimist. But hey, everybody, this is Pointless Rewind, a podcast where we rewatch, rehash, rewind, and review our way through movies, TV, sports, you name it, anything from our past. I'm Chandru. I'm here with Anthony Ryan. Howdy, everyone. And Eric. How's it going? Pretty good. Glad you guys could make it. Granted, this has been two hours of technical difficulties, so... Hey, we're here. That's what's important. I know. Ready to I go. Know. You know, well, we, thank you. we need pristine audio for our audience. Oh, absolutely. Well, so this is the first episode of this podcast, and, you know, this is it's pretty much a passion project, right, guys? I mean, we've been, uh, we've been thinking about this for, like, what, six, seven days now? Yeah, I mean, you made me watch a movie for this. I know, I know. I apologize. But uh, glad we could get this started. And today, we are going to talk about... 1984's sci-fi classic, James Cameron's The Terminator. So we are all fans of this movie to a different extent, I think. Uh, well, at least of the series. I don't know so much about the movie. I don't know what these guys actually thought of it. Uh, we've all rewatched it in the last week. I guess but, you'll uh, find out, right? Yeah, that is the purpose of this. But so, so Eric, we'll start with you. Just uh, what's, what's your history with the Terminator series and this movie specifically? So this is one of my favorite movies. Uh, I probably first saw The Terminator when I was 10 or 11, so that would have been around 1994, 1995. And uh, it's just a badass movie, and it's great. And what about you, Anthony? Well, I actually, upon rewatching it back uh, earlier today, literally hours ago, I realized that I barely remembered the movie, (laughs) and I hadn't watched the whole thing since maybe the mid-90s. And... I was really young then and I was kind of scared. I remember being scared of the movie and like, you know, it, 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 it didn't make a lasting impression, like a positive one for me. Because of the scariness? Yeah, like yeah scare because factor? of the scariness, exactly, yeah. Were you terrified earlier today? No, just there was, I think there might've been just one part where I was like, oh, a little, uh, you know, well, jolted. But overall, well, yeah. I, now, see, I, I, I might well, be jumping ahead of myself here, but one thing I love about the Terminator is that it is, in fact, a horror movie. I mean, that's absolutely true. And yes, you did jump ahead, but that's fine. That, that, that's, that's all good. But uh, wait, there's a second uh, one. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that that's uh, that's a bad joke. Don't listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the fact that it's a horror movie is one of the reasons I actually appreciate it now. I think when I first watched it, so I watched so. My friends introduced me to the Terminator series as in Terminator 2 was coming out in, I think, 91 or 92. And a bunch of guys in my neighborhood were like, oh, you should watch this movie. It's so awesome. And so they told me, they basically told me the entire plot of the second one. And I watched like bits and pieces. So I was like, okay, I have an idea of what this is. And then I was in India and I went to a, there's like this bootleg VHS rental, uh, rental store over there. And my uncle rented me the Terminator. It was really crappy, crappy quality. But, uh, and I guess I should preface this. This is, there's going to be spoilers on this. So anyone listening who doesn't want to hear spoilers, 
Uh, you should probably probably leave now. But uh, also, so this, this v- movie's thirty five years old. So if someone it, hasn't seen it already, then God they're probably not going to see it. God <laughs> that, that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, so I got this VHS copy from in India at a rental store. And of course in India, you know, you don't have any rules about rewinding. So they, this movie, like when I put it into the VCR. Wait, you're not kind? You don't rewind? Uh, they were not kind. They did not rewind. So I hit play and lo and behold, the first image that pops up is Kyle Reese's dead face. So I was like, oh, okay. So there's a dead body. And then when I rewound the, you know, rewound the movie and started over, I was like, Oh, so that character dies at the end. Well, that sucks. Oh, that that's, guy. <laughs> yeah. But my experience with it was this movie is pretty terrifying and not at all like the fun loving uh, romp that is Terminator 2. So, so you def- had your exposure to Terminator 2 before Terminator 1. Partly. I don't think I watched the entire Terminator 2, but I definitely watched enough that I was not like Terminator 2 was never scary to me. Terminator 1 is like completely pretty much balls of the wall, like a horror movie with like action elements, which is one of the reasons I and a little bit of it. sci-fi mixed in there. It's surprising. Like it's like a pretty heavy sci-fi movie in terms of, you know, you've got time travel, obviously you've got uh cyber cybernetic organisms and all that fun stuff, but it doesn't get bogged down in any of that stuff, which is another reason I like it. Right, you know, basically once, once the Terminator is back in 1984, yeah, the movie just, just takes place in 1984. Yeah, and it's like lean and mean. And not- other than to some, other than that weird gun reference when he's in the gun store to something that obviously doesn't exist, there's oh, yeah. nothing that futuristic here. I have a problem with that line, but I will bring that up later. But uh, so why don't we start with? Uh, let's just run through the movie, sort of, uh, sort of chrono- chronologically. Let's start with the the introduction of the characters. So this would be. We'll include the intro, you know, the intro from uh, LA 2029. We'll go through the opening, you know, the opening credits, Arnold's introduction, Reese's introduction, and Sarah's introduction. But I guess I will start us off. And granted, the, you know, the opening in 2029 is, you know, people who haven't watched the movie probably are going to say, you know, special effects are crappy back, you know, not very good. And, you know, they they do jump out, you know, you can clearly tell it. they had a tiny budget. I think the movie's budget was under 7 million, which is a lot of money to me, but probably not for still. A, they, they pulled up a lot. For they 7 did. Million. That's what yeah. I was going to say. Like that, that opening I thought was, you know, it, you could tell it's special effects, but it's still, I think it's very effective. Like with all the hunter killers roaming through the, the destroyed landscape and all the skulls under the, uh, under their treads. It's pretty yeah, effective. Imagine all the people they had to kill to get the skulls. <laughs> I know. Like, and How that's much the, money did they pay for those? That's the thing. I think, I think five out of the six, six and a half million dollars were, were devoted towards like killing people. Like, you know, just <laughs> like, I think that's, that's where the bulk of that budget went. So, so this is the direction the podcast is going to take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. We do, we do pretty much. I mean, the, the last five minutes was probably the most coherent that we will ever be as a group. I mean, so our, our apologies for that, but our apologies for being coherent. <laughs> no, for well, I mean, yes, because I guess for a fr- like, so we've been friends for years, but like most of our friends, you know, pride, you know, hanging out with us because we are incoherent. So yes, I apologize for both being coherent and for being incoherent. But so what, what'd you guys think of uh, the opening theme? Cause uh, well, the opening theme is pretty iconic, right? You mean the music? It's great. Yeah. 
Yeah, but iconic, little, iconic. With, those, with those little metallic clanks. I mean, yeah, come on. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, it, it the, really gives you a sense of suspense. Like you, yep. you know, um, you ever watch the thing from? Uh, I have. I have. So similarly, the music also yeah. very like of the time. You know, yeah, '80s synth, but yep. still so it really like digs at you and, and prepares yeah. you for something that uh, is going to be suspenseful and scary. You, you don't know what's going to happen. Was that John Carpenter who did the Things soundtrack actually, also? I believe he did. Yeah, so he obviously directed the movie. Yeah. And it might have been the... Yeah, I, I think he did the music as well, actually. All right, because he does... I mean, he does movie music for most of his movies, but uh, I, I haven't seen The Thing in a while. But I think you hit the nail on the head, though. That, like, every time I watch this movie, that theme just... Basically, the atmosphere is, like, completely pervasive from that music. Like, that... Heavy metallic beat under the da na na, you know that sound just it just kicks it up a notch and makes you and you know sets you up for the rest of the movie. But did you guys notice like the iconic theme, like the one everyone's familiar with, and the one that Eric walked uh, down the aisle at my wedding to is the theme from Terminator Two, but it's slightly different from this one. Like this one has it is yeah yeah this one has more of that that underlying like menace to it, whereas like the second one is. I think it's much more hopeful the way it sounds. Yeah, and if it's more produced, it's more. It's oh, yeah, got definitely. like a whole symphony behind it. You can definitely. tell. And, yeah, you know, I mean, this maybe a little off track here, but the second one is just purely an action movie. And I think it's, it's a great I, movie as well, but it's it just doesn't have the same feel as the first. It's one. It's not a horror movie. I don't know if it's pure. I wouldn't call it a purely action movie. I would call it action with like, you know, it's like a much more. I don't even want to call it intellectual because that sounds like I'm being an elitist, but it's like, you know, it's, it's not like, uh, it's not like commando. <laughs> so commando is like just an action movie. Terminator, Terminator two is a little bit more, you know, there's more thought put into it, but, uh, I see let's move on. That. Yeah. So let's move on to, uh, you know, Arnold's introduction. What'd you guys think of this? I, it happened quickly. Like he, yeah. he entered the movie pretty swiftly and, uh, the, the the poor garbage person or whatever he was what, whatever that guy was <laughs> yeah, I think he was a garbage I mean, he, was he was a garbage call, man we, he, we was, call, he was we, dumping a dumpster yeah, in his truck we, we call them garbage men we don't call them garbage people but yeah, like, <laughs> that poor guy yeah no uh, that that's I think that is what jumped out at me again is like how quick it happens it's like you know you have the scene from the past to introduce the movie then the theme and it's like basically the movie starts and Arnold is, is jacked in this movie. It is crazy how much bigger he is. I don't know if you guys have seen Hercules in New York. He is seriously jacked in that movie. I have not seen. He's pretty jacked for a lot of his life. But we're talking like, you know, early seventies versus mid eighties. He, I think this is when he was doing the Mr. What is it? The Mr. Universe. Yeah. Mr. Olympia stuff. And he like, cause I, so I just watched Terminator. I watched this one on Sunday and then, I watched Terminator 2 on Thursday and it's like noticeable. Like his pecs are like absolutely bulging in this one. But uh But again, Term- Terminator 2 is what, 1992? It's eight years yeah, later. Yeah. And he was yeah. no longer in competitive bodybuilding. Yeah. But well, uh, here's my question about that. So you get introduced to Arnold, who's supposed to be this menacing uh, yeah. cyborg with no feelings, and, and it's supposed to be like a like this really ominous and uh this character that you're supposed to fear, but what movies was he in before that? And did, did do you think people took his character seriously at the time? I think this is his first 
major blockbuster. Like I said, he was in Hercules in New York, which was like 1970 or 1971 or something like that. And uh, he's an awful actor in that movie. They <laughs> they dubbed over his voice because he couldn't it's, speak English. Is he not an awful actor in every other movie he's in? <laughs> Are you serious? Have you seen Jingle All the Way? I, actually, that is one I missed. <laughs> but, one uh, of the best. <laughs> but I think the only other movie he had really been in at this point, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think was Pumping Iron, which is just a documentary. So uh, uh, who's got Google up there? I do. I, I mean, I have Google access to Google. I, I, well, the, the fact is that I, I think watching it back, yeah. knowing that he already has been an action star, um, that he played this character really well. The funny thing is the producers wanted him to play Kyle Reese. So they wanted him to play the hero character because I think they wanted to make the movie palatable for international audiences. So they wanted a somewhat noticeable international star to be their hero. And so they wanted him to be Kyle Reese and they wanted, well, so I have heard they wanted OJ Simpson to be played one of the, I've heard that as well. Yeah. One of the options was OJ Simpson as a Terminator and they turned him down because, and I don't know if this is true, but they said that they didn't think he was believable as a killer. (laughs) So so them, I, that sounds like such a great story. I have, I'm hoping it's a real story. I wouldn't be surprised if someone just, you know, made that up though and ran with it because it's so such a great, so great to uh, to think of him as not a killer. But um, yeah, so Arnold was supposed to play Kyle Reese initially, and then he and James Cameron had a meeting. Both of them wanted him to be the Terminator, and they basically, I think they collaborated to ha- make sure that Arnold failed his. Uh, like basically like say that James Cameron would come out and be like, Hey, I don't think you did a good job as Reese. And then like, he would not get the part. And then they cast him as the Terminator. This movie would not have worked the same way if he was Kyle Reese at all. No way. Now, Michael Bean <laughs> was in aliens, correct? I think after this. Yes, but he was in aliens, aliens. not the original yeah. alien. Yeah. Yeah. He was in aliens, but uh, yeah, like Arnold as the Terminator is awesome here. He's this foreboding presence throughout that, that's that soundtrack, that uh, motif that plays over almost all of his scenes. That that do 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 do. That would not work for someone. I don't think that would work for someone else. And also, do either of you buy a romance between Kyle Reese, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Sarah Connor, played by Linda no, Hamilton? Not at all. Yeah, <laughs> that, not at all. Yeah, yeah. So thankfully, uh, Cameron and Schwarzenegger had the right thing in mind, and he uh, he plays the Terminator, and. He uh, he roughs up some hooligans, and by roughs up, I mean he basically disembowels one of them with his fist. But and that scene's great. I mean, first I of all, I love '80s funk. So a bunch of '80s punks getting beaten up. Yeah, that and I love how no nonsense he is. Just notice you know, that the the punk he does steal from the clothes the clothes from is quite a big guy because it's got to be believable that that the clothes fit. I think that actually was one of his weightlifting buddies. Was he really? That's good. Uh, I'd have to double check, but I think it was. That's good thinking then. And I guess we'd be remiss to not mention that one of the punks is played by Bill Paxton, who's in a bunch of, uh, well, he's in, he's in aliens with cam like uh, directed by Cameron and he's, he's in uh, true lies with, uh, with Schwarzenegger also directed by Cameron, but uh, also nice. the clothes are badass. Like, you know, the cutoff gloves, the overcoat. Yeah. I can see Eric wearing that. Eric, is that what you're going to be dressed as in a, this coming Halloween, you're going to be dressed as one of the punks in Terminator 1? That's a good <laughs> idea. I like it. <laughs> oh, man. 
Just hope you don't get disemboweled. That would suck. But uh, if this coronavirus yeah. goes off long enough, grow my hair out, get a mohawk going. <laughs> and then you can get disemboweled. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's move on to Kyle Reese's introduction because I think so. This part is this part's also good. It's obviously not as iconic as Arnold's introduction. What I like about this scene is how without much dialogue, they they draw like on the contrast between his introduction and Schwarzenegger. So Schwarzenegger shows up. Right, calm, he's, in he, control. Yeah, he's crowd crou- yep. movements, unfazed. Yep. And- Reese, Reese is introduced falling out of the air onto the ground and clearly in Lost, massive pain. Confused. Yep. He, he does a great job of showing emotion in this scene. Yeah, and throughout the movie, actually. Like, I, I have conflicting opinions on Michael Bean as an actor. Like, I think he's... There's some deleted scenes, which I'm glad they deleted because he's pretty shitty in those. <laughs> but uh, like in the what they kept also, in the movie, I think he's pretty good. I know we're talking good. about Terminator 1, but if you watch the deleted scenes to Terminator 2, the editor did a very good job cutting them. <laughs> yeah, I when it, on my rewatch of Terminator 2, I did not watch that this week because I was like, I do not want to... Well, I didn't want to sit through a three-hour movie and that scene is pretty weak there. But uh, he's pretty good. I think he's pretty good. And I just think... But like the the contrast in how he's introduced with how Schwarzenegger's introduced lets the viewers know like basically what this battle is going to be like. Basically, yeah, no, this a is front, a long shot. Yeah, this frenetic. is the last ditch effort. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, and, and I, that, I like how to the point it, it it just gets to the point. The movie, yep. it's oh not, yeah, doesn't waste any time. Oh yeah, that's that is definitely the case. This movie wastes no time. I was going scene by scene. I was like, there's not. There's like maybe one line that I thought was like a kind of just like superfluous. The rest is like everything is basically to propel the plot. And you know, spe- speaking of character development, they they do a great job of uh, developing Sarah Connor as well as just oh, yeah. some just some waitress probably recently out of college working at a restaurant. Yep. Had no think, clue what she's doing with their life. Yep, I think the script called for her to be 19. I think Linda Hamilton was 27. And I, when I watched the movie. I picture, I see her as like a mid twenties uh, waitress. Maybe that's I, why I assume she was recently out of college because she she looks too old to be a nineteen year old. Yeah, but uh, no, and I, I think her introduction is good too. Like, and what struck me is like, so Terminator's introduction and Reese's introduction—they're not long scenes, but you know they go into some depth. Like, you know, Terminator kills some guys, and then Reese has to escape from the cops and find his shotgun. Sarah, the introduction to Sarah is really quick. Not it's just, just a shotgun, close. Clothes, shotgun, shoes, all of it. But uh, Sarah, it's just, let's show this, you know, this young girl who basically innocent, doesn't know what she's in for, doesn't know that her life's going to be upended, but it's quick and to the point, you know, and we just get a feel for that right away. So, and with that- and they give her personality. She's got a pet, what is that, an iguana? She does have an iguana. And her, her roommate's you, an 80s girl who never takes her headphones out. Oh man, her her roommate is the most eighties girl, like eighties girl I've ever seen in my life. The most dead girl. <laughs> nice one, nice one. That is a that is a good point. But uh, if you guys that that iguana scene, I mean, we are jumping ahead, but that iguana. If you notice, she says, "Mind your mother." And I was always what I well, I never wondered this until I watched it again this week. But I was like, wait, is that line in there to hint at the fact that she is like her being a mother is uh is a major plot point to this? Because usually. At least with movies this tightly scripted, they don't. Most lines all have a purpose. I was just like, there doesn't seem to be any other purpose of this iguana other than to have her have a mother line. So 
thought that was like nice. I don't think every line bit. needs a purpose. I mean, the burly beef is just food. Oh, the burly. Well, that's no, that the burly beef, that's, that's to get at the fact that Sarah's in over her head. And I hate that little punk kid who puts the dessert in her pot, in her uh, apron. I want to slap that kid. Yeah. What, <laughs> what kid does that? Like, where are his parents? I, uh, I feel like the Terminator should have been sent back to 1984 to kill both Sarah Connor and that kid. <laughs> and remember, this is a movie. I obviously, I do not wish violence on any and any children or waitresses. But uh, I think we, I think we've covered the introductions. So why don't we move on to basically the seat, like the set of scenes between the introductions. So all of aren't basically setting up that Arnold is coming after Sarah. So everything from him breaking into the car, killing, uh, killing the first Sarah Connor all the way up till, up till uh, right before he's no nonsense. He goes straight to the phone book, looks up the first Sarah Connor, knocks on the door, says Sarah Connor. She acknowledges. What is it? Five rounds to the head. I don't know. I don't remember how many rounds, but that scene, when I watched it in India, I remember him shooting her. And then I, I had been so trained by watching other movies that characters would have emotional responses and things. I expected him to like look for her ID and then be like, Oh no, I, I, I killed the wrong person. And obviously we do not get that out of uh, the Terminator, right, which a, is a good, he's a machine. It can figure out yeah. who it was later. Yeah. And I'll, well, also he's not going to care. He has no remorse. That would have, obviously that would have ruined the movie, but I just remember that scene like was what hit me that this movie is as brutal as it is. Like, cause up to that point I was just like, okay, there's gonna, it's going to be, it's still going to be a fun movie. Then he kills this poor uh, suburban mother and it's like, oh, and they just moved on to the next scene. This, this movie is going to be super he, he's intense. literally a killing machine. He is literally that. Another important thing on this scene, when, when the station wagon he stole rolls up, it crushes a kid's toy truck and uh, trucks are a big theme in this movie. So yeah, you rewatch I, and get, pay attention to that. I, Ooh, good point. I noticed I didn't notice that, that I guess I didn't notice that it was a theme throughout until you mentioned it, but I did notice that the, like the introduction to the, like when Arnold was, when Arnold first time, time travels back and we first see the, uh, the grill of the, of the garbage truck driven by the garbage person (laughs) (laughs) that the, it's a very similar shot. Smoking a cigar on the job. I don't think that would fly today. Ah, let's let's not criticize the guy, man. These garbage people have feelings, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So that that shot of the grill is very similar to like the shot of the in the past, the front of the hunter killer is shot from the same angle and the same kind of motion right before it's rolling over the the skulls. I thought that was an interesting or a good direction, just a good shot, like a shot by shot match between the two. But uh, yeah, so so we get we. Terminator kills the wrong Sarah Connor and you know, he's yeah, it's a, it's a problem. I mean, yeah, he doesn't seem to care. And well, see, he doesn't, he doesn't know which one's the right one, which one's the wrong one. He just knows that there's three Sarah Connors in the phone book and they all need to die. Good thing. The, the, the correct Sarah Connor doesn't have a a middle initial that starts with a, I know that would have, (laughs) that would have been a very quick movie. Although, (laughs) you know, if she did die 10 minutes into the movie, we would have gotten right back to that awesome theme as the end. Although, I don't think the movie would have been made then, so maybe it's a movie. Could have point. been a good short film. It could have been. But so during all this time, you know, the Terminator is going through. He's uh he's buying guns, he's uh he's stealing cars, and Reese, Reese is uh, you know, he's sawing off his shotgun. Again, another 
like nice contrast. I like that, uh, you know, Terminator shoots that uh, the gun shop owner with his shotgun and the very next cut is right to Reese sawing off his shotgun. And it's again, just that contrast between the Terminator is super efficient, has and you know, very brute force, nothing, and there's nothing stopping him from doing what he wants. Whereas Reese has to use a little bit more guile and has to be more resourceful. And it's just, I feel like it's, again, setting up those stakes of, this is going to be a tough, fast battle for for everyone Classic going up. Underdog again. story. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, and we'll we'll get to that finale where you know the music swells and Reese has you know he he scores the winning basket at his uh, at his high school basketball game and the Terminator has to you know go after the locker room like slumped shoulders. Yeah, sad game seven. Defeated. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, but that that's for and that might actually be a deleted scene from a movie that I dreamt up, so that actually didn't happen. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that's, and so Sarah, meanwhile, is being in, you know, her introduction, they're just quick cuts. She's seeing in the news that a Sarah Connor died. No, you know, she's not having a reaction to it other than, okay, that's interesting, but. Right. It's not until the second Sarah Connor dies that she's like, wait a second, something's going on. Yep. And that's, she gets that message when she's at the pizza place. And I think that's where Linda Hamilton starts to, you know, up to then, I think she's been good, like, you know, playing the perky, you know, uh girl who doesn't really realize anything's going to happen but i feel like she really sells her fear in that pizza that pizza shop when uh when she hears that a second sarah connor dies and then to top it off she sees kyle reese following her to club noir that's got to be terrifying especially when you heard that two of them had just died yeah i think she did a good job of portraying and then making that turn from uh you know like you said that happy perky person just youthful and then by the end of it, she's like hardened, having yeah. lived through this. I think she yep. did a great job in the overall scheme of the movie. I think she's the best actor in the movie by far. I think like Not the garbage person, the garbage. <laughs> so I, well, he's on another level. He, uh, I put him on the pedestal, like the acting pantheon in all of cinematic history, that garbage person, which I don't know if this is, I feel like I may have watched a commentary of this movie before. I think that guy might've been a homeless guy who James Cameron was just like, let me pay him a couple bucks to play this character. So kudos wow. to kudos to him. If I mean, either way, great performance as a garbage person. <laughs> Meanwhile, now Terminator is going through the, he's going through the uh, address book and he heads up to the actual Sarah Connor's apartment and he weighs lace. He weigh, I don't know. Weighs lace. There we go. There we go. Again, my language skills are lacking. So thank you for catching that. Or are he they kills. just slacking? They, uh, it's lacking and slacking. Uh, we're gonna do a lot of wordplay and rhyming here. That's uh, that's part of what you get with uh, with pointless rewind. A lot of pointless rhyming. <laughs> but uh, so he kills he kills uh, Ginger, Sarah's '80s roommate, and he kills uh, Sarah's or Ginger's boyfriend, who has the personality trait of knowing his girlfriend has a roommate and insists on immediately upon hearing the phone being answered launches into phone sex immediately does not check who is answering the phone just launches into it and i think that is a skill that we should all use this i mean it's not it would have been a nice surprise if i answered <laughs> that, that, is abs- <laughs> that is absolutely true and i debated starting this podcast with some phone sex but then i thought it would probably ruin everything so so uh thankfully i cut that well, out you know, we, we might get some listeners i just don't know if they're the kind of viewers we we would want 
<laughs> well, yeah, that that is true. It might it might get kind of seedy down here, but uh, yeah. So he uh, he murders, he kills Ginger and Matt, and again, a very horror movie style scene. It's he absolutely. Right, this this des- could be Jason doing this in this scene. Exactly. He like Matt's a big guy, and he just tosses him around the room like a rag doll, and it's brutal. It's efficient and it's violent and. When he, again, when he kills Ginger, you know, 10 year old me, when I saw this movie, cause he then, you know, he goes immediately to find her ID and he sees it's not Sarah. I immediately, I, well, no, you, you forgot it's the answering machine that tips him off. It is the answering machine and Ginger's voice on it says, and what about I have, the message on the answering machine? I know. You're listening to a machine. You're talking to a machine. Oh yeah. You're, t- you're talking to a machine. Talking machines to a machine have, that's right. Yeah. Machines feel, have feelings too. That is a. Uh, it's definitely. I don't. Surprisingly, I didn't. I never caught that before. I only caught it this time when I was. Now here, paying. here's a, a great point I'd like to make. If um, <laughs> so arrogant, Eric. If if Sarah hadn't called home at exactly that moment, would he have assumed he completed the mission, or would he have kept searching? I think he would have kept searching because he finds her ID like two seconds later. Only I think after hearing her voice on the phone. That's true, but I feel like Skynet would have been. You feel like it would be more efficient, and it would want to confirm. Yeah, and I think Skynet would have been incompetent if they didn't ter- like if they didn't program their terminators to have some rudimentary sense of competence in terms of like verifying and validating their missions are complete. Otherwise, I don't know, he would have killed that first Sarah Connor and then been like out drinking for the rest of the night. But but he saw the three names in the phone book. Uh, that's true. That's true. I, maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm on uh, terminator short. How does it know that she's one of the listed ones? Would this thing kill her and then endlessly go on searching until its battery dies? That's, um, that might be true. And in Terminator Two, he says his battery's like 130 years. So it's a good thing she was in the phone book. Otherwise, he would have waited laced to all of L.A. for 130 years. Wait, laced. I, yeah, I don't know why I keep going with that. I keep trying. I keep trying that phrase. And I'm the I'm only pre- one here having a beer right now. <laughs> Well, how dare? How do you know? Oh, wait, you can see me, can't you? <laughs> well, yes, I am not having a beer. And I'm going to keep trying to say Wade Lace, bec- Wade, Wade Lace, until Wade I get a... Wade Lace? <laughs> Wade... Wade Lace. I didn't even realize I, uh, I had that, uh, that switched. Uh, well, I mean, listen, don't insult me, man, okay? This, 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 this You're is our... You did a great job. You did a great job. Thank you. This, this is our first podcast. So I should probably mention, we might be a little bit rusty. So I'm going to continue. I know it's laid waste now. I'm going to continue to say Wade Lace, though, because I think it just sounds cooler. So I'll, <laughs> I'll go with that. But uh, my... Uh, well, I think the other comment I had about that phone message, though, so... In between Terminator going around killing all the Sarah Connors in the phone book and seeing Reese, uh, you know, Reese starts following Sarah around, the cops, uh, you know, I forgot their names. I think it's Trexler and the guy played by Lance Henriksen. I can't remember his name, but they're trying to call Sarah. And at one point, (laughs) uh, Lance Henriksen's character says, oh, I didn't like I keep getting the machine or they're not home. Why didn't he leave a, mes- a, mes- a message at all? Like Ginger was checking the messages earlier. He could have said, hey, someone's trying to kill the Sarah Connors. Why don't you guys like come to the police station? Or it could have done something. But instead, it keeps cutting to him going, no answer. And he just keeps slamming the phone down in frustration. Uh, I find that a little bit baffling. He's You know what? Some, sh- some people do not like leaving messages. That is true. But I would, I would hope a cop would have a rudimentary sense of competence in validating that he got his message through, though. 
Uh, he would make a terrible but, Terminator. But both Traxler and Hal <laughs> have both been clearly beat up by life and don't give a shit anymore. That's true. That's true. I'm sh- pretty sure there was a there was a uh, a scene cut out where both of them said simultaneously, "I'm getting too old for this shit." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's move on. So we've got we've gotten through the setup, and now everything from the club scene, the club noir, until Tech Sarah noir. and Tech Noir. Sorry, until we get to until Sarah and Reese are arrested. What'd you guys think of the these scenes? I thought it was pretty gripping knowing that Kyle was, you know, kind of semi-stalking her or just yeah. in, in reality looking out for her, but trying not to tip off that what he's doing. And, and he also is obsessed with her, so he is stalking. That is true. You're right. You, you learn that later. I, ha- uh, I, ha- I have my questions about Kyle's motivations, but that is for later. <laughs> You know, I just got to say, I love the scene where uh, Arnold walks in and doesn't pay and the guy puts his hand on his shoulder and Arnold just breaks his hand. So I love that scene. It's interesting to me that he looks at him like he breaks his hand without breaking, like breaking a sweat. But then he looks at him briefly, almost like I'm like, would the Terminator really look at him? But that's just that's just uh, mindless griping. But uh, I I like that at that point, you still don't know. He's like how much um, Sarah Connor. Like she doesn't know who's the real enemy. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't, I'm wondering, I can't remember how I felt when I was watching this first time, but I'm like, obviously like clearly the Terminator is trying to kill her because he's been killing everyone. Right, in the but film, as far but, as she knows, Kyle Reese is the Zodiac killer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and also for the viewer, like you probably get a sense that he's a good guy, but actually, no, you would know he's a good guy. Cause he has that flashback to, to uh future scenes in the yeah in the future so but still i think it's really effective and i love that slow motion like that slow motion when he enters into tech noir and it's you know just slow she drops a coke and then terminator scanning i I mean the cinematography and the directing is just great yes that is that is an incredible scene and like the slow build-up because the movie up to this point has just been building and building like I don't, I don't know about you guys. I feel like the atmosphere for the first 30 minutes is like basically suffocating. And it's like this sense of dread the entire way. And it's building to this scene. Yeah, and you notice uh, first uh, it's so dark, the yes. movie. And also if you notice like in the tense parts, there's this continuous drone sound yes. in the background. Yep. Sort of um, it, it helps elevate your, your sense oh, that something's going to happen. Yep. And, and it's, it's, like a really long drone throughout like the entire shots of, of, of the dark shots. So yes. it really sets the mood for those types of. And like, I, I really enjoy suspense. That's something they don't do in movies anymore. I know. I agree. I agree for the most part. I I'd have to think, I think TV shows do suspense really well now, but I do like, I like older movies in general. Like I love how they build up the suspense in older movies. And I think Anthony, you're right. That, that underlying like musical, I don't even know if it's musical cue. It's just, yeah, that drone is awesome. Like they play it when uh, Sarah walks out into her parking garage and is just looking around before riding her scooter off to uh, the pizza place. It just puts you in the mood that, you know, something's going to happen. You don't yep. know when, but something's yep. going to happen. And it all comes to a head in, in tech noir. And that scene is masterful. And so my wife, when we, we watched this, like, um, it happened to be on TV like three months ago and we were watching that scene and she did say, Oh, Sarah doesn't even react when uh, he's pointing the gun at her head. I completely buy that. Cause I feel like if I was panicked at that point, I wouldn't know. You're, how to react you're so scared. You can't even speak. 
And I'm watching that guy across the bar who I think is stalking me. Like she's watching Kyle Reese. She's not paying attention to the creepy Austrian bodybuilder who's sidling, <laughs> sidling up to her to grind on her. <laughs> and, and instead he pulls out a gun. And I will say Michael Bean pulls a shotgun out of a trench, ca- a trench coat cooler than anyone I've ever seen. Like that, that move he does when he pulls it out in slow motion. That is great. Is, yeah. And then we get our first big gun. Uh, well, you know, I think we skipped an important scene where, where he's sitting in his car asleep next to the construction site. We did. And the, machi- wanna- the machines are wearing and it looks just like the future scene. And he has the dream of the future. Yeah. And no, then he wakes up and it's just the construction site again. And it yeah, gets the- back to this theme of, uh, you know, man is relying on machine, but machine uh- can be this deadly thing. That's true. And that, that, that machine motif goes throughout the movie. I mean, you'll see it in the climax again. And that, yeah, that, that flashback to his past is definitely a necessary, you know, his past and our future. Well, is it, I was wondering, is that a dream? It's a dream though. Cause he dies in that dream, right? I don't think right? he does. I think he's in the trucks shooting at it and speeds away and the truck crashes, but they don't show anyone dying. Okay. I, I always thought that was a dream cause it seemed like he was burning up. And then I was like, Okay, so maybe it's... I uh, guess it could go either way. I mean, he's literally dreaming, but I always yeah. thought it was a flashback. Yeah. Or flash forward, whatever. Yeah. But those, those flashback travel stuff can make your head hurt. I know, I know. I feel like uh, what this movie probably needed, and it's a lean and mean movie, I think 10 minutes devoted to a character like Doc Brown for Back to the Future would have been perfect for it. Uh, what do you guys think? You think he would have made a movie better or worse? I don't worse? think so because it's like you said earlier. I was more I was, of a horror movie and less about the science. Also, I know you're joking. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just dragging this on. All right. Chandra's like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I was, uh, I was like, uh, Eric, that went right over your head. All right. But the Club Noir shootout. So up to that point, I don't think, yeah, you probably have a suspicion that he's a robot, but there's been no, in, you know, there hasn't been any overt indication that he's supernatural yet. You know, he's just been a really, really quiet, like somber dude who kills people. But it's once, once Kyle Reese shoots him and he starts and he gets up right away that you realize, Oh shit. He, this is, you know, they, this is an, this is not a human. This is, this is something, something different, something worse. And that shootout in, in tech noir is incredibly intense. I mean, Sarah nearly gets killed right at the end as Terminator has to reload and Kyle has to shoot him out, shoot him out of the, the building. And I love come with me if you, uh, if you want to live, is it come with me if you want to live or come with me? Yes, it is. Yes. Come with me. If you a want line live. Arnold says in the second movie, but I think I can't, I can't tell if it's, I think it is more effective in the second one, but I think it's great here because it's a tiny bit of release or relief that you feel just that, okay, Sarah's got someone on her side and then they're off. From that point on, they're basically a team for the rest of the movie. But what'd you guys think of the shootout in general? Cause it's, there's not a lot of overt violence. They don't show much in terms of like blood or guts or anything like that. You know, and and that's uh, applies to the entire movie where there are snippets of, of like violence and gore, but it's only just to show you how much damage is happening. And then it doesn't go into it. And yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that because it's badass, it's action, but it's not yeah. like the modern Rambo movies where like guts are spilling out. And yeah, it's not yeah. gratuitous. And, and this is not the type of movie where, you know, there's action movies like where you're like waiting for the action scene, 
because it's going to be awesome and cool. This is not that kind of action movie. This is an action horror movie where you're dreading the action scenes because the characters you care about are getting, are getting, they could die. Yeah, they're getting attacked. They could be Wade, no, laid Wade, no, Wade laced. Wade laced. I want Wade laced, right? Yes, Wade laced. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so moving on, we have the we have the car chase. You know, they're they're driving. Reese is trying to get them away from uh, from the Terminator, from the cops. And I don't know if you guys noticed, Arnold has no eyebrows. I mean, this after is a this. great car chase. The one with the the one. I so I'll let you I'll let you say that, and then I'm gonna rebut. All right, go go ahead. But I, I just well, miss those '80s car chases from movies. Maybe not rebut. I like this scene. I do, and I think it's really an efficient way of exposition because. What I like about the scene is that, you know, a lot of movies you have exposition in like a long talky scene where they're just like explaining things. But in the middle of the car chase, he is explaining to Sarah, like, you're you're being targeted for termination. It's cybernetic organism and all this stuff. And he's basically all the stuff that may have been in a slower scene, it's happening as the action's happening. So that's what I appreciate about the scene. The car chase itself. I I always find it silly, not silly, but like he's kind of escaped the Terminator and towards the end of the scene, the cops are chasing him, but he is like driving like a madman over the sidewalks when the, the streets are not even like that crowded. And it's like, he's veering All left right, and if, right. If a Terminator was chasing you, you're going to say you wouldn't be driving like a madman, even if you thought you were clear of it. But he lo- he lost the Terminator by that point because the, Termi- the Terminator he was on his know He knows that know it he, never stops coming. That, also, that, he, he's never driven in a civilized world. That's true. Maybe he thinks the sidewalks are really roads. Maybe they're side drives. Nice ones. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so that, but Eric, you can elaborate on what you really like about that scene. Well, I, I think we got it. I think it's really cool at the end where they crash into the wall. But that's after. That's after they get to the garage. That's so after then, they switch cars, and then yeah, that's he hears when the police chatter on the radio, and yeah, and I. So in the garage, I mean, it's a lot more exposition. We learn more about why Sarah's being targeted. It's, I think, I mean, there's a lot of revelations. A, that Terminator's from the future, which, you know, we already know. But B, she that doesn't. he's a, she doesn't. But it, B, that he's a machine, that he's basically unstoppable. And then C, that she, that John, the she is the mother of the future, basically. She's John Connor's mother. And that that's why the Terminator is targeting her. What'd you guys think of the, like, how these revelations were, were handled? I think from a storytelling perspective, it was great. Yeah. And I, I like her reaction too. Like she doesn't believe him at first. She just thinks he's some crazy guy. Uh, and Linda Hamilton throughout, like, I love that she tries to jump out of the car. Yeah. Like, you know, f- complete freak out. Like I could see myself doing that. And then I love that she bites Kyle's arm. And I think one of my favorite Michael Bean moments is when he said, when he tells her, you know, listen to me, the Terminator's out there. And then he tells her, how oh, you can't be stopped. You can't be reasoned with. Like you really feel the desperation from him there. I think but even when he says it doesn't feel pain, but I yep. do. Yep. Good stuff. But uh, so at this around here, the ter- or around this point, the Terminator, you know, the cops find their car in the garage and the Terminator finds them. We have another, another quick car chase in the garage with the, with the Terminator slamming into the wall and the cops, the cops come up and you know, they, Sarah stops Kyle from engaging with engaging them because she knows the cops will just kill him and the Terminator has gone. I, so I still like this scene. I have a problem with the Terminator just being like, Oh, the cops are here. I need to get out of here. Yeah. Peace and, out. 
He yeah. killed every one of them. He, he well, but it doesn't, it doesn't want to draw attention to itself. But his mission is to kill Sarah Connor. Like, I don't see nothing, like nothing in this movie has showed me that his mission is to uh, not draw attention to himself. So he then walks into the police station 10 minutes from now and shoots <laughs> everyone it in there. It wasn't properly armed in this scene. It didn't I, know what the potential danger was. It was damaged. Remember the eye damage that it had to fix where with, with the horrible special effects, he takes his eye out. <laughs> I, I get, I get that. It's just, it's one of my only complaints about the movie is this. And it's not even a big complaint. It doesn't like ruin anything for me. It's just like Terminator could have killed everyone and the movie would have ended and the Terminator would have been praised throughout history by all of robots and cyborgs as the hero of Cyberdyne or Skynet, not Cyberdyne. They don't even feel anything. So they wouldn't yeah. even have felt praise. That's true. That's true. It's it just actually, would have done its job. Actually, it's, <laughs> it's kind of sad. Like, you know, in terms of like unheralded jobs, I feel like it's garbage person first and then cyborgs second. It's really, yeah. it's really, it's really sad actually. They, and, we, we need to give him credit. Yeah. And he does one thing, the Terminator, he is good at his job. Like he does not succeed in this movie. Spoiler alert. I don't feel like it's for any lack of trying. I mean, I don't know, man he, on paper. Wh- it's oh for one. So on paper, now, now but here's, here's an interesting question for you. Did they send the Terminator to 1984 and 1992 at the same time? I, Sure, hope not. That's a waste of resources. Like well, you don't. Well, just in case one failed, the other one would succeed. But they probably did a minute afterwards when well, they realized that. First yeah, one didn't work. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like they sent him to the future, or they sent him to the past in their timeline. What should have happened is the war should have immediately been won for them, and then and they would disappear. They sh- yeah, yeah, exactly. But then. They're like, well, I guess that didn't work. Or, send the next one. And it, send the- or is it that every time you go back in time, you create an alternate timeline? I don't which know, Which has man. no bearing on the original timeline. The, the, maybe, the time- should, maybe our discussion should not talk about time travel because- The timeline, can- well, the timeline is all sorts of fucked up though. Because, <laughs> well, I mean, once you get to how John Connor sends Kyle Reese, everything, I don't think it breaks down. I think the movie completely works, but it, it's, uh, time travel is always a- a confusing mistress. Mm-hmm. But uh, so let's move on to, uh, let's just, uh, the, you know, the, the scenes at the police station, you know, starting with Reese has been arrested. Sarah's, Sarah's not in custody, but she's with the cops questioning uh, whether I, I Reese is I love the scene insane. where Dr. Silverman interrogates him because it, it gives you all the details you need to know. Exactly. And again, just like that car chase scene, the exposition. Nothing I think goes is, to waste. Yeah. Like exposition, like it's perfect exposition. It makes sense why he's, he's, He's talking about all this stuff and it's, this movie is nothing if it's, it's just efficient. It's so efficient. And like these scenes do that, like nail that. Like my, very- my only gripe with that one scene is, is why Kyle Reese uh, continues to try to convince them that this future is going to happen when clearly, how That's- are they supposed to believe this? That's true. I so I chalked He's it up. He's doing though. the best he can, but if I was one of the cops, I would also think he was schizophrenic. I also chalked that up to the fact that he, in his life, he's only lived in the future, so he probably, I mean, like this is his first inter- real interactions with other people. Like he, yes, he probably knows it comes off as insane, but he probably also doesn't quite have a grasp of like. But he, he's like literally telling a history lesson of what, what's going to happen That's instead true. of being like, listen, you got to believe me. And this is how I can prove That's to true. you that I'm, you know, legit. That's true. Well, That's but true. He's and actually trying to cooperate. He's, he's not super hysterical until they don't believe him. 
That's well, that is, I mean, both that is true also, but like he, he probably should have focused more on the empty car that had slammed into the wall. And he should have focused more yeah. on that now when present has yeah. to buy this yeah, like but maybe like the maybe cops they, already wrote it off that that this guy was on PCP and broke every bone in his hand. Yeah. Well, maybe the cops were like interviewing Reese and they're like, "So what happened?" Expecting him to explain why this murderous Austrian attacked them, and instead of saying that, he's like, ah, "The future is not set. The world was just." And it's like, "Ah, oh, what? This guy's insane." So maybe Anthony, you're right. Maybe he should have uh, should have tried to dumb it down a little bit for his audience. Just a little bit. Yeah. Did you guys notice? Did you guys get the feeling like uh, watching it that the cops, like they kept the, so I think it's Lieutenant Trexler is the guy in charge and then Lance Hendrickson's his, uh, his sergeant or whatever, but, or I don't know what their, their ranks are, but Trexler, is his name Trexler, by the way? I don't want to keep saying yes, this. Yes, it is. I'm wrong. Okay. It's tr- it might be Traxler. Traxler. All right. Traxler. Oh man, I'm way laced on my pronunciation <laughs> of that. <laughs> but uh, track so as I was watching it, I was like, they're definitely giving off vibes that he believes Kyle Reese a little bit. Cause Soberman and, and uh, what's Hendrickson's name? Oh, you Vukovic. I think his name is Hal, but uh, Hal and Soberman are basically mocking Reese's story. And Traxler is the one who's sort of taking it seriously. Did you guys get that vibe? I, I kind of did. I mean, he, he didn't buy into it a hundred percent. And even in the end until, you know, the Terminator shows up, but yeah. I, I think it was, it's good to sh- to see that as a viewer, like okay, there's maybe one person who maybe fraction of percent believes him. Yeah. So maybe eventually this can, they can he can turn the authorities into his you know believing his story. Either that or Traxler is just the most patient person in the world. No, it's so I was curious because I watch like I'm watching it and I'm like I'm literally going scene by scene thinking what's the purpose of this moment and I'm like tra- they keep showing Traxler like shutting. Howl down when he's like trying to joke around and like making these knowing looks, and so well, maybe I have that's the blu- just to protect Sarah. Cause- no, I I have the Blu-ray, so there's there, there. I watched the deleted scenes, and there are a ton of deleted scenes with Hal and Traxler, like them showing up at the at Club no- at uh, Tech Noir. Them call it. I think. Them you know, I gotta Sarah. say, I've never seen the deleted scenes on the first one. Yeah, and the most notable thing. So if you guys, when 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 he gets killed, shot by the Terminator. Hal like stops next to his body and he's still like struggling. And as I was watching that, I was thinking like, I feel like Kyle's going to like, I feel like Kyle's going to see him or like, you know, like they're going to have an interaction. And then they didn't. I was like, did I just imagine that? I think I'd seen the deleted scene before, but there is a scene where as Kyle and Sarah are escaping the police station, they, uh, Traxler stops them. And he tells, he tells Kyle and Sarah, he gives him a gun and he says, you need to stop this. And it's just like, an, I think it's a nice little moment that humanizes Traxler and just like, it's a nice warm movement in a very bleak movie. Um, what do you guys think of them deleting that? I think the cut was pretty good. Like it, if they deleted it, it didn't belong. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like you said, it would have been nice to see that and for that warm moment, but I think it kind of pauses the, the, the it does. movie's progress. And I, so I think it's a nice warm moment, but I'm, I completely agree with you guys. It's good it's that they cut as it. As you were saying before, every, every moment of this movie yep. has a purpose. Yep. And it, that's, I think that's why they cut it. And I also think they cut it because I think from like the point of view of the movie, it's Sarah and Kyle against basically the Terminator, but also the world. Like no one 
else is on their side, really. Like they have no one to turn to. And I think, I think it's, you know, it's a nice fuzzy moment to have Traxler like be like, Hey, Hey, I believe you, but it kind of, it takes away from that like raw, like, like raw solitary experience that they're having here where they're on it on their own. No one trusts no yeah, one I, believes them. It, it wasn't supposed to be from the point of view of, of the, the police department anyway. Yeah. It wasn't yep. like, you know, we, we need to turn the police department to believe us so they can have our backs. It wasn't yeah. about them anyhow. Yeah. So I, I think it was a good cut. Yep. But we, we did skip, kind of skip ahead into the middle of one of the most iconic scenes of the movie. And that is the police station massacre. What do you guys think of this scene? This is, I mean, I, I think the scene is awesome. Like, wait, wait, hold, hold on. I'll, I'll be back. All right, go for it. Should we just kidding? Hey. I, that was a joke. I'll be back. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, I quit. We're keeping that. Uh, yeah, you you made me look like a damn fool, uh, man. You've done that yourself. You're, times, you're, don't worry. You're weighing laced to this podcast. <laughs> Word of so the day. yeah. Well, so that scene. When I wa- I remember what again, when I watched this first, I was like 10. I feel like I had this very naive view on this movie. Up to this point, the Terminator has shown like no remorse at all. So when he says like, you know, he's like, he tells him I'm a friend of Sarah Connor's and like, can I see her? And then he's like looking around. A part of me was like, is he leaving and coming going to come back later? <laughs> like, uh, uh, I don't know. Did you, I'm assuming you guys did not have that experience. You guys were a lot less naive than me and knew what I'll be Bach meant. In the from the Terminator's point of view, I mean, I, the, my first time seeing it, I don't think I knew it meant he was going to ram a car into the guy at the reception desk. But <laughs> <laughs> I, he clearly wasn't leaving. <laughs> actually, and sorry, I I have to go back to the scenes of the Terminator repairing himself because let's just talk about that for a minute. All, hey, buddy, what's, what's that? I think what? it's I think it's one it's of those a, cheap SROs, like one of those hotels that you rent by the night. Well. I, that's a good, but yeah, it's and a cheap I, hotel. I, I just love it. What's that you got in there, buddy? A dead cat? Well, that's, that's for later also. But why does a Terminator need a hotel? Like, I never noticed that until this time it around. It needs I was to like, store its weapons somewhere. It needs to repair itself somewhere. So I, I'm, this scene does not affect anything about the movie for me. But I'm just like, does the Terminator need all that? Does he, like, because I was actually wondering, like, he kills the first two Sarah Connors during the day. And then it's like, ni- like late at night when he arrives at, uh, Killed Ginger and Matt. And it's like, what was this Terminator doing all day? And I was like, oh, I guess he was booking himself into a hotel and like probably and storing his guns in there and probably watching some TV. I guess what would be the TV show back then? They would have had The Incredible Hulk and Knight Rider. I don't know. So it's probably The Love Boat. Yeah, catching a rerun of The Love Boat and he's laughing it up and then he's like, oh shit, I got to get back to work. And then he heads off. But uh, yeah, well, so he has a hotel room and he is repairing himself. I think that. So this is, this is a, I think it's a great scene. I think most of the special effects are great. Like the arm I think is great. Like when he cuts his arm open and he's just, he's manipulating his, uh, his gears and his, uh, I guess, whatever well, his I, mechanism. I, I mean, like you can't, you can't expect Arnold to stick a knife in his face. No. Well, I actually like, I think the eye, the shot of the eye is fine. It's when like when yeah, he's that like silly mask he's wearing afterwards. Oh man, that silly mask there. You know, I said the special effects in the beginning, you know, looking at it now they're dated. There's a difference between dated and bad. And right, I don't know this if this is just dated. It's not, that's no, I think, it, I think it looks this is silly. And I think the problem here is it's a shot of the, the mask 
And then it immediately cuts to a shot of Schwarzenegger looking in the mirror. And it's like, you know, Schwarzenegger is not a really great emotion, doesn't have a great emotional range, but he has more emotional range than a rubber mask. And it's such a clear change between the shots of rubber mask and, and then it, Schwarzenegger. It does really stand out as this is one yeah. of the spots where the effects don't it's, look great, but I've always just chalked it up to that this was 1984 and oh, a low-budget movie. I don't, I don't, like... And you know my position on CGI. I'd much rather they oh, do it no, this I, way than CGI. I mostly agree with you Which did not exist CGI. back then, but I'm just saying, even if this was a modern movie... I would rather yeah. see this than CGI. I, I think people were more like watching it in the theaters too. They were probably just more shocked at what was happening. Yes. Because there's I, some gruesome parts that yes. like to start. And yep. um, you're not thinking, wait a second, this doesn't look right. Yeah, that's probably, it is probably Especially 2020. the effects in every other movie around the time are going to be similar. This is true. Well, actually, so my only thing with the mask is I think it's, it's so much worse than the rest of the special effects in the movie. Like I think the special effects by and large in this movie are pretty good. The, the for only the time. other time the effects really get sort of bad. Stop, and I'm going to jump motion, way ahead. The, the stop, stop motion at the end when he was, yeah. when he's just a skeleton. Yeah. yeah very 1950s. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, mean, and yeah I, maybe, I think that you could just chalk up to this being a low budget movie. Actually, I think it is the 1950s. That's probably the first Terminator they sent back to 1950 to kill Sarah Connor's like grandfather. Oh, yeah, it's, and just, it's just, just been chilling happen- in a computer factory. Yeah, it's just happens to have been at that warehouse waiting. He's like, Oh, I'll kill him now. And that's, that's him. But uh, yeah, so let's go back to the, the police station massacre. If there, I don't think there's any better way to show exactly how ruthless, how brutal. efficient and how yeah brutal and just how destructive the Terminator is in this scene. Like it, it's not like we've said before, it's not actually violent. It's just, nonstop carnage and it's it just it's like a six minute scene and well, it doesn't fine, stop it's not gruesome yeah and it but it doesn't stop it's like he's killing everyone it's like holy shit how are they going to survive this night or this movie this is like this thing can kill an entire an entire like police station it's there's how is how are Reese and Sarah going to stop him it just it doubles down on that on that desperation and, and vulnerability you feel for these characters What'd you guys think? Yeah, I, I, I fully I agree. Think with it you. was exactly what you said. Uh, I just wonder why, like, the National Guard and the Army weren't sent out <laughs> at this point. Well, they, yeah. they can't deploy that quickly. Oh, you mean it? You're saying after, after the fact? Yeah. I wonder if they. I mean, they. That is a, that is a good point. I'm glad they didn't have it in the movie because that would have probably upset the pacing. But you know, I don't know. I don't know enough about police operations, but that almost may not be realistic. Which the National Guard being activated yeah, after I mean, you decimated an entire police force. But they don't think it's a killing machine. They just think it's some guy. That might yeah, I guess they even in the second one, they still think it's a guy. That's true. But I mean, for the purpose of the movie, it's fine that they weren't activated. I think in real life something would have happened. Some sort of a state of emergency now, here, would have here's an interesting question. When Dr. Silverman goes home, did they know they were gonna want him for a second movie? The like, wait, did 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 the as the Terminators cur- the waiting, Terminator as the Terminators waiting in the lobby? Doctor Silverman is walking out of the building to go home. Oh, I so I guess that, we'll, so that he does not die in the uh, massacre. Maybe this is a good time to touch on that. A lot of Terminator Two story is pulled. It was initially in Terminator One. Like the T one thousand was supposed to be in Terminator One, but they just didn't have they didn't have the budget for it. And really. I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know all these little tidbits. Yeah, and um, 
I think there's another deleted scene also where actually we'll get, we'll get back to that later. Let's, let's just, we'll, we'll stick with the police stuff. We'll touch on this part at towards the end, but um, yeah. So Reese and Sarah escape and I, I got to just shout out to the music right when Reese and Reese gets Sarah. I think at that, like up to that point, Sarah hadn't quite trusted him. I think when he he's yells Sarah and then grabs her and then the music kicks in, I, I can't really describe it, but I feel like, okay, they're a team. This is them together against the world. I think it does a good job of that. Yeah. At this but, point, she just witnessed what can potentially happen to her. And then here's yep. a guy that's trying to save her from that. So I think, yeah. That and I think she, she completely believe she completely believe. Yep. She completely believes the story now, but so the next, next couple of scenes are, or the next several scenes are basically, you know, Sarah and, and Reese bonding some, you know, we get some world building of well, more than uh, just bonding, falling in love. Well, we'll get, we're, we're going to get to that. So they're bonding Eric, as Mr. In, jump ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Mr. Jump ahead. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, they're, I mean, they're bonding first and then they fall in, well, in and Sarah's case, Kyle falls in, in love. love with her. Yeah. Kyle's ever Kyle's since he saw that picture, which is, uh, which, yeah, guy, which the kid guy, takes to her at the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah just, Oh yeah, that that. Mr. And I may or may Mr. not have just jumped Mr. ahead again. Mister <laughs> Jump ahead again with his his classic shtick, but uh, yeah, no, they're so they're bonding under the under the I guess the highway, like the uh, under the bridge or the causeway or whatever, and you know she's, you know she's kind of insecure, uncom, you know, just like I don't, you know, I don't, you're making me out to be like this messiah type care person, like. I'm the legend. I can't even balance my checkbook. You really get a sense of, you know, her frustration that her life is turned upside down and her lack of confidence in what she's supposed to become. But I think that these scenes are, you know, they're slower than the rest of the movie, but I think they're absolutely necessary to, to really, you know, hit home on Sarah's growth throughout the movie. Nope. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> Uh, man. I was waiting for you to call on one of us. Yeah, my bad. My bad. I was, uh, my bad. I was hoping for Mr. Jump Ahead to, uh, to jump so in. Let's, let's go into Sarah's fatal mistake right now. What's I'll, her I'll fatal let mistake? You take it. She calls her mom. Well, she gave well, away their location. I don't blame her. I blame Kyle for not telling her, hey, the Terminator can disguise his voice. He, don't call he anyone. He told her, don't call anyone. Did he? He told her, don't. He did call anyone. All right. Then I blame Sarah. Sarah. Yeah. Your lack of confidence in the previous scene. Yeah. You should be glad. Not glad. You fucking botched that. Uh, Oh, are we in rated R show now? (laughs) Might need a little uh, bleep noise for that one. I was assuming this was going to be explicit. I mean, there's a lot of nudity going on right now. So, uh, just just, just for the record, there is no nudity right now. What are you? uh, Maybe not right now, but I mean, we did time travel in at the beginning of this and we all came in naked because you can't send in clothing. So, I mean, we might, we may or may not cut that out, but I just want everyone to be aware. What, but, what if uh, you're wearing glasses in the future and then you travel back in time and now you can't see anything because you lost your glasses along the way? I, I, I guess you wouldn't be an ideal candidate. It's <laughs> yeah, a good point. What if I, like, I have contacts on right now. Would I be able to make it through or would my eyes, like, would they, like, burn out in my eyes? See, they're not, come- uh, if they were embedded into your eye, like, under your eyes, maybe, but being external from your eyes, they probably wouldn't uh, go. Yeah, that's true. That would have sucked for Kyle Reese, though. He's madly in love with Sarah Connor. He's like, I want to go on this mission. And then John Connor's like, you got glasses, man. You're nearsighted. And he's like, what? I can't go? 
So I gotta, gotta send someone else. It's, it's like, God, this was my dream. Like his hopes and dreams all dashed because his, you know, he, corrective vision was like hereditary <laughs> for him. It's just, you know, it just, this really opens your eyes to how not like not in control of our career choices we are. Right guys. That's uh, I'm sorry. I'm getting depressed here. So let's, uh, let's get back to this really happy go lucky movie called the Terminator. <laughs> so Sarah signs her mother's death warrant or de- and no, uh, no, no. Her mother was going to die either way. Sarah just made the mistake of calling her and giving yeah, away guess, her I location. She, you're right. You're right. Her mother was going to die anyway. And it's, I think like that scene when it pan the slow pan from, from uh, like the, you know, we're in the, the cabin, the slow pan up to the turn, like the Terminator's face doing Sarah's mom's voice. I mean, you know, what's you, once you, once you're in that room and you hear that, that underlying thrumming that we mentioned earlier, you know, he's killed her mother. So, but I still think that that reveal is great, but I, I hate to call out Mr. Jump ahead again, but Mr. Jump Ahead jumped ahead of fuck you, asshole. Like the classic scene, man. Like, <laughs> I, I already alluded to it like half an hour ago. I know, but we didn't talk about it. <laughs> like, that's, he already jumped ahead before. See, Eric's really good at this time travel stuff, but he's very bad at going back in time. So he would have been good at getting back to the future, but not going into the past. So he would not have been a good, a suitable candidate for, for uh, going back and saving Sarah Connor. But uh, that scene in the hotel... By by far funniest scene in the movie. Like this is not a funny movie. That I laugh at that every time. It, it is one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, I and, like how the Terminator had to decide which line to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you know what? He doesn't want to say the wrong thing. Like the Terminator gives off this, you know, this this veneer of of like confidence, assertiveness. You know, doesn't make any mistakes. But deep down, like he's as human as the rest of us only more also, maybe, maybe you can tell me this since uh, you seem to have read all the trivia i've heard that uh the the computer stuff they show when they're you're like looking through his eyes is like the boot sequence of an apple computer i've heard that too i don't know enough about computers to like like i heard i read that also i i have no comment i'm sorry i am not no a computer comment. person <laughs> you should actually ask a terminator this question though we might where, get some where are we going to find one that's a good question. We'll have to just wait uh, another few years, actually. Will it another movie or is a Terminator game? Oh, twenty twenty nine. My bad. Well, the but, world but should have ended in nineteen ninety seven. Getting pushed because Judgment Day was supposed to be ninety seven, and then it was was it still ninety seven. It was ninety seven in the second movie, and then it got pushed in the third one. Anthony, have you seen the third one? Uh, is that Rise of the Machines? Yeah. yeah, I saw it a while ago. Okay, I mean you've seen all of them a while ago, so. I, I will I will go ahead and stop spoiling because I feel I think like if Eric, you watch all of them, they're sort of incoherent. Like they're it's not really well, a timeline. Timeline, I, get it. I I I actually don't get it. But uh Timeline? I, yeah, no, I did get it, Eric. Please. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, oh man. Uh Eric apparently after how many years have we been friends now? Twenty years. You have yet to get my sense of humor, which is which is part of your. That's what makes this collaboration funny. I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, so let's let's move on. So Sarah, Reese, and uh, Sarah, and the at the hotel. Basically, Sarah, you know, Sarah's basically asking. This is never going to be over, is it? You know, her life has been turned upside down, like which is a horrible, horrible thing. And Kyle, and she's asking Kyle about the women in his time. 
Do you guys buy the romance between them? It's almost like Stockholm Syndrome. Almost, yeah. But yeah. I think they, they approached it as well as they could have. It, wasn't, it didn't feel cheesy. I agree with that. And so there were a couple deleted scenes, like a couple where... So Sarah and Ka- Sarah wants to actually go and blow up Cyberdyne in this movie. She or at least kill like kill destroy Cyberdyne so that they can't invent Skynet. And she tells she finds a number in her in the phone book and Kyle is like this is not part of my mission. And Sarah is like well basically like I don't want to do this forever. You're not my bot like I, I don't need to listen to you and like you know they have like a a big argument in the woods. And Kyle breaks down because he's in the woods. He's seeing nature and he's never seen it before. And he's basically crying about how the world has fallen apart and there's nothing, nothing left. So I think in theory, I don't think I, I'm glad they cut that scene out because again, movies lean and mean doesn't need it. I think it would. And you don't want her to have turned so tough so quick because then there's not enough time to develop into that. Yeah. And I, I think the Cyberdyne stuff would have been overkill. Because she really develops the tough Sarah Connor yeah. at the end of the movie. I won't spoil it yet. <laughs> Come on, Mr. Jump Ahead. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah, I know. But um, but uh, like what I do think, I think the relationship works. I just think they once maybe one scene more of them bonding, like because they did. They also cut out a scene where right after Kyle is showing her how to build those pipe bombs, uh, she says. I can't wait till this is all over and like we can go to like Disney World, Disneyland, which is kind of what we're saying during this whole COVID thing. But uh, but he, she's basically saying like, hey, I can't wait till we do this normal stuff. It's a tiny moment. I'm still glad they cut that out because I think I think the relationship works. It under the fear. Yes, I I don't think I don't buy that she's in love with him, even though that's what she says at the end. Now Kyle's love for her. This is a question I have. John Connor doesn't tell Kyle that he's her father or his John Connor's father. So Kyle volunteers for this. Well, think, think of the women in a dystopian future where robots no, not, are killing I'm not, everyone. I'm not worrying about Kyle. He sees this picture and he's like, wow, this is the most beautiful person I've ever seen. And he's just obsessed. I'm not thinking about Kyle like, like from a standpoint of I am in love with this girl. I need to go meet this girl. It's more of the fate of humanity rests on someone some unknown person impregnating Sarah and giving birth to John Connor. If he didn't know he was John Connor's father and he was just horny as hell, like, and basically like, Oh, Sarah Connor's hot. I want to go back, which obviously is me dumbing it down. He's obsessed like a soccer. But then Kyle is not a noble character. He went back and then he, he went back for selfish reasons. Yeah. To the best of his knowledge, someone else needs to get, Sarah Connor pregnant. And so when Sarah make like, you know, Sarah starts hugging him and kissing him, he should be the, he should be like, yo, 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 hold, pull it back, pull it back. Like we, we cannot do this, but instead he, like he could have screwed up everything. Like what if, what if, uh, I don't know, the gas station guy at the end was supposed to be the father and Sarah's already pregnant. Well, see, but and I, then- I think this is all really going to go to, you, you know, he says that line that the future is not set in stone, but it sort of is. And that's what the movie's pushing on you. It is set in stone and things will happen in the way that always gets the same result. I know. Most of this is me being facetious, but because I actually think the best reveal in the movie is that Kyle is John Connor's father. Like I obviously have known that now for like 20 plus years, but it's, I still right, think it's the first time seeing the movie. You yeah, don't know that it's, it's the most, I think it's the most effective reveal. You guys agree? I'm with you. 
Yeah, yeah. I think it yeah. uh, it worked pretty well. Uh, the whole, I mean, if, if you're watching this in 1984, you, you really haven't seen that many time traveling movies. Yeah. And uh, I, th- I think it's kind of like a mind blowing thing that this person could come back from the yeah. future. When was Back to the Future? 85. Okay, so that was after yeah. this. Yeah. But, time, uh, time Cop wasn't until the early rip-off. 90s. What was the second? What'd you say, Anthony? <laughs> I said Back to the Future ripped off Terminator. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. <laughs> Like, I mean, everything well, about it is like... Speaking of ripoffs, there, there's been a lot of controversy that the Terminator was really based on a story written for The Outer Limits by Harlan Ellison. I just read that, actually. And yeah, he I, eventually I, was not credited at the end of the movie, but they gave him some acknowledgement in the final they, scene. Yeah, they text. just... Yeah, I saw it was like uh, some like parts of the... St- I forget the exact wording, but it's not story based on anything by Hart. Right, it didn't say story based on, but it said like uh, we give acknowledgement to the works of Harlan Ellison or some, you know, some nonsense like that. Yeah, yeah, no, and I mean, John, uh, I mean, John Cameron. Is his name? Am I getting his name wrong? John Cameron? No, James James? Cameron. (laughs) James Cameron. Wow, I've, yeah, man, I am weighed weighing lace to this this podcast again. Is is he the JC that John Connor's (laughs) supposed to be? Probably, but uh, I mean, I'm probably, I'm pretty sure, well, or it's probably the other JC, the more famous JC, <laughs> <laughs> or either that or James Cameron has a really uh, high, high opinion of himself. I, I don't know much about James Cameron. He could have a way overinflated ego. And I don't have, I don't know much about Jesus Christ either. So I can't talk too much about that, but, but so James Cameron apparently had the idea of the movie while like with 103 degree fever by himself in Rome started having fever dreams about like the future with robots and cyborgs. And that's how he, that's how he claims he came up with the movie. But I don't know if I buy that. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know either. And I'm not here to condemn anyone, let alone John Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Sarah and Sarah and Kyle do the deed and we, and we move into the, basically the climax of the movie. You know, we and got we're back to wait for it. Got, trucks. Yes. More trucks. But first we have, I mean, we, we have a pickup truck chase with the motorcycle what do you guys think of this chase at this point to me this is the most boring action scene in the movie for whatever reason this is the only part of the movie where i feel like it loses me a tiny bit yeah, just because motorcycles are cool yes motorcycles are cool but i also i was like all right we already had the car chase early on and this one just feels like a little like a slight variation and this on that probably was not intentional but were it not for the motorcycle scene here there would be no motorcycle scene in terminator 2 which is one of the best scenes in the movie that is true. So if it if it uh, if it's a progenitor of that of that uh, that scene, then I have to uh, I have to give it credit. But I, I don't think this is a bad scene. I just think it's it's not iconic in the way that the club, uh, tech noir or the police station or even the earlier like any of the earlier action scenes are. Yeah, hey, I guess not every a, scene has to be iconic. And you though. can't. That's true. It's, it's that just leading true. up to the bigger chase. Well, like, you, yes, you can't have the, every movie like John Wick where they're just shooting nonstop. Well, you can have every movie like John Wick. I'm a I'm a yeah, big it's John. called John Wick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, wait. I think it's James Wick actually. But uh. <laughs> man, you're really weighing lace to all these. <laughs> you know what's frustrating? Ever since you got, I realized I was saying weighing lace. It's I've been trying to say lay waste, even though now I want to say weigh lace. I keep uh, just it's an eternal struggle trying to trying to screw that line up. But uh, let's uh, continue to weigh lace to this movie and. Uh, so now we have the tr- the actual truck scene with the Terminator getting run over with the classic get out and the basically 
the, well, it's not the final scene, but it's the final scene with Arnold, like with actually Arnold in it. This, I think this is a great scene. Like every, it's basically take the Terminator, put every part of his personality into this, into this truck and then just let him loose. And it's the the only thing, sorry to cut you off there, but the only thing that bothers me about this scene, even though they're on a suburban street, there is no way Sarah Connor can outrun that truck. That does bother me a little bit. It's why, but secondly, why does he need to get in a truck? Because he's like, do you, do you know how slow those things accelerate? Do you not know? Do you notice he was limping as he was going into the truck? Oh yeah. He, yeah. Cause he was like, he was pretty badly damaged by being run over by said truck. But uh, <laughs> good point. Here's, here's a question for you guys. When, when Kyle Reese blows up the truck, did you guys think the movie was over? When I was first watching it? Well, obviously I, I it was you, over two times. <laughs> well, if, if you recall, when I first watched this movie, I opened on Kyle Reese's dead face. So I was like, well, Kyle <laughs> Reese is not dead yet. So <laughs> okay, so it's run for you. <laughs> yeah. I think the movie's still going, but um, yeah, no, I, I think I, I mean, cause I'd watch, I think before this I'd watched, still watched Halloween or at least some of the Halloween movies. So I was, I was familiar with how like, you know, horror movie like tropes, so I don't think like you can't kill it on the first try. Yeah, I don't think I would have thought he was dead. But so truck scene ends. Sarah, Sarah's successful and makes the classic rookie mistake of saying, "Kyle, we did it, Kyle. We beat it." You know, you never say something like that. And it's you like ne- you said, this is a yeah. hard movie. Yeah, you never say that when there's wreckage right next to you and when a basically an unkillable machine is right there. You just don't do it, Sarah. You've made two mistakes in this movie. One was calling your mother, and the second was, you know, was not, was basically saying that, and that's karma for you. Plus, she gave the wrong guy the burly beef. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Term- I think the T-1000 should have popped in and shook his finger at her right then, and then popped back out. <laughs> <laughs> but Terminator emerges, and here we have the most, uh, I guess, like, where the special effects are all over the place. like. I think the close-ups of our, of the Terminator are awesome. And then everything that's not a close-up is, well, it's yeah, the, not. The stop motion really takes you out of it. Yeah. Especially with, with our 2020 But, but again, yeah. on, a, on a low budget, I mean, I'm sure they had robotics back then, but this is a low budget movie. It yeah. is. But so this is my, the reason this actually is like negatively affects the ending for me is I genuinely don't like the scene. Like the whole scene with up till when Kyle dies is the only scene in the movie I think is not up I to par. I think it was written though, so that it's ironic that they killed the Terminator in a computer factory. And I, I get that. I just think the scene is not very good. I think it's confusing. I think like, whereas the rest of the movie, I think is terrifying. This scene with like not knowing where anything right, how is. How does she know which button on that pad closes the door? So I, so I, re- I rewatched this movie twice in the last week. The second time I watched, she the first time bumped it earlier. She does. But, but, yep. but if I accidentally I bump a lever on a piece of construction equipment, that doesn't mean I don't I know. How to use it. Well, they, the alternate ending of this movie was actually, you know, Terminator's got, you know, through that grate has got her, her shirt grasp. She's grasping furiously at the buttons and she goes, you're terminated fucker hits the button. Nothing happens. And the Terminator kills her. That's the alternate ending that Whoa. I would have preferred. Yeah. That, that sounds sort of badass. That sounds badass, man. Yeah, I would have been. I I sort of like movies that don't have a happy ending. Yeah, well, that would have actually been terrible. But (laughs) the going back to the initial scene in the factory, though, I just don't. I don't think it's. 
I don't think it's it the best scene in the movie. I think it's well, I think it's the worst scene in the but movie. It, does, it is the transition from her into this scared girl into this strong, badass woman. Well, I like that part of it. I like her, you know, telling Reese to, you know, like move it, soldier. You know, getting him up, getting him up, moving him, like taking charge of the situation. I like the character stuff in the scene. I just don't like the. I think the action in the scene is not as good. I think the horror in the scene is not as good. I will say though, the Kyle's sacrifice, even though it was ruined for me, it every time I watch it, and like when Sarah flips his body over, I. It, well, I just, I get the feels, man. I'm just like, oh, Kyle, why? Man, you were so, you did so much. Why'd you have to die? He did just enough to uh, father a child. I know. Yeah, classic deadbeat father, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Gets the girl pregnant and then just leaves however he can, whether it by whether by running out on the family or putting a stick, uh, you know, some dynamite in a metal endoskeleton getting blown in half. You know, you know, deadbeat fathers just hate them. So, and now just to find the final sequence with the with Terminator chasing her through the through the factory. This part I do like because this is like a direct line chase. It's it's to the point. It's terrifying. The arms it's grabbing. Great. Yep, you knew he wasn't going to be dead, and I think it's a great ending. And I think you know we made fun of Sarah's. Uh, Sarah's uh, finding that button and knowing what it's going to do. But I think, I think this is exactly how the movie ends. Do you guys think so? You guys agree? Definitely. I like how it just ends there. That's the end of the movie. There's no aftermath. There's nothing. The movie just ends. The thing's dead. Yep. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. That's not the end oh, of the movie. I was, I was going to say the, term, yeah, the, Terminator, <laughs> the Terminator part ends, but... I forgot Eric, about the scene with the Jeep. Yeah, Eric turned off that part that he mentioned earlier. Yeah, so much for jumping ahead. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Jumphead jumped ahead to I, the end I, credits. I guess I shouldn't. <laughs> you know what? This is what you get for drinking on the job. <laughs> well, yeah. What well, do we pay you for? <laughs> so, <laughs> I will mention though, did you guys know that, 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 that factory is supposed to be the Cyberdyne factory? That was cut out. See, but if you if you watch Terminator Two, you'd know that because they found the arm and the chip in the head. I don't think you would know that from Terminator Two. I don't think they mentioned they fi- like I always thought they, they, they found- said in the second movie they found it at the factory. So they oh so they, they actually covered verbally- it up. They covered oh, okay. it up. All right, so it was supposed to be the cyber. I I thought it was just a deleted scene, and then they found it somewhere and took it to Cyberdyne. But, but this goes back okay. to this goes back to there really is no fate thing. Like the timeline is what it is, and it's going to yeah. happen. No, and I also I mean I'm glad they cut the Cyberdyne thing out of this movie because has no place in a tight thriller like this, but uh, like, it's, I think it's, that's, it's like you said a few times, like there are no unnecessary scenes in this movie, yeah. which is one thing I love. About yeah. It. It's it, and nothing. It, they, they made no, it such that it, it could be, it's a standalone movie without any expectations for, especially with that alternate yeah. ending where it just kills her. Well, the alternate, ending, which I sort of want to see now, I'm going to have to borrow that Blu-ray from you. Well, <laughs> I, I hope Eric knows that was a lie, but uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, Kyle's Kyle's dead. Sarah's Sarah's conquered the Terminator. We had the final scene in the the desert several months later. Her uh, audio uh, just recording uh, some an audio tape for John Connor, and you know the, just the foreshadowing. There's literally a storm coming. Yeah, I'm and not there's a, fan. a storm coming. James Cameron can get kind of uh, pretentious <laughs> I, with his dialogue. I sort of like it. I like it here. Had it gone any further with that, I would have been like, ah, it's too no, much. I just love the Jeep driving down the road. That's really cool. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a good ending. I think I like that 
I like how it basically like it couldn't have just ended with Sarah having one. You have to like see at least how it's affected her because she still has to. We have to see that she's transitioning into this this savior, like this character who's going to be strong, who's strong enough to to train her son to you know and you, be you the see, savior you of see humankind. The works of her being the mother of John yeah. Connor, who taught him everything on how to crush the machines. Yeah, but so she's think, also gonna just go out on her own. Like she she's on yep. her own and she's yeah yep not gonna need ch- anyone's help. She's gonna do it herself. Yep. And so that's that's a wrap on James Cameron's The Terminator. Overall ratings, guys. What you what would you guys give this movie? I so I I give it an eight point five out of ten. I think it's great. For me, anything over eight is great. I think I haven't rated Terminator two yet. It's up in the air which one I think is better. But uh, I think this is a great movie. It's a horror movie. I think it's fast paced, efficient, and no wasted time. Unlike this uh, pointless podcast. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah. I've well, I would give it. Um, this is one of my all-time favorite movies. So, for, throw that critic stuff out the door. I'm giving this a nine point nine out of ten. Nine point nine. Where's the point one? If it's you're throwing the critic stuff out, where's the point one? Well, if if you give it the ten out of ten, then it means it's the best movie ever made, which I don't want to make that claim. Ah, uh, Eric refuses to uh, put his money down on it. I mean, ugh, come on. Have some confidence, man. Be like the Terminator. The Terminator. Well, what if I get blown away by some other movie that actually happens to be better? Then what am I going to do? Give it a 10.1 out of 10? Give it a 10 also and say, these are the two best movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I would give it, uh, I, I thought some of the, the action sequences were, I mean, clearly the budget wasn't like a high budget yeah. film. So, yeah. so you could tell it was like, they didn't have that. Yeah. But on the other hand, great story. Yes. Great acting. And definitely the suspense was there. So I would say an eight for me. All right. Knowing that I've already seen Terminator 2 and I actually like that one better. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll we'll get to Terminator 2 at some point, but Terminator 2 is, even if you like Terminator 1 more, Terminator 2 is by far a more fun movie and a more relaxing watch. Like, I'll give you that. It doesn't mean it's a better movie, but I can see that it's more fun. Yeah. This movie... Like, like there's I some lo- scenes in there that are there just as comic relief and to yeah. be silly. I mean, I love this movie. The, my favorite scene is the is the Technoir scene, but I do not find that a fun scene whatsoever. That is like a scene that is intense and almost intoxicating in like its atmosphere and suspense. So, but there you have it. So we got an eight from Anthony, a eight point five from me, and because. Eric refuses to go all the way on this one. He's going to give this movie a 9.9 and not, not give it the full 10. Which makes the average rating 8.5 out of 10. That's, no, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> eight, like, eight, eight, 8.5 eight, and 9.9. 9. All right, plus, so it's going to be 8.4, whatever, whatever, whatever you round up. 8.5. Uh, on that note, I think the best way to end this podcast is on incorrect math. So... <laughs> Any other? Who would you recommend this movie to? I would. So any, first of all, anybody who's an, I think anyone who is an action movie, action or sci-fi fan. But the thing about the sci-fi, it's, there's so much like sci-fi backstory, but it's not in your face. I would recommend it to a horror fan and to an action movie fan. And if you're into sci-fi. That's what's great about this movie is if you like any of those three genres, you could enjoy this movie. I mean, I would recommend it to, like I recommend it to my wife and I wish she did not she had not seen this and she had she was expecting Arnold to be the good guy and so she was shocked that he was the bad guy 
I kind of wish we had watched it from the beginning. We had, we caught it from uh, the police station scene, but um, no, I would recommend, I would recommend this to anyone actually like anyone who wants, who's into like a gritty, like, like noirish type thrill, like eighties movie or not even in eighties. I think, yeah, the effects date this movie, but I think the story is like perfect for any time. I think this movie, I think Schwarzenegger, I do not often say Schwarzenegger is a great actor. This is like Blade Runner. It's a, it's a thriller. He says like three lines anyway. He has, I think he has 58, he says 58 words in the movie is what I saw online. (laughs) Well, you know, his English probably wasn't that good at this point. He, so he actually wanted James Cameron to change the I'll be back line to I will be back because he couldn't say I'll. And then (laughs) James Cameron was like, no, you're just like, you're going to have to figure that one out. I shall make my return. (laughs) Well, so the, I think the other line was I will, like, um, I will return. And he changed it to, he's like, no, I'll be back. <laughs> that, and thank, thankfully, Schwarzenegger nailed it. And I, I actually, so I feel like his accent helps this movie. Like, it makes it, like, because they wanted a more everyman to play him, play the Terminator. I feel like his accent plus his physique makes him into this, like, monstrosity that's just like. Exactly. He's supposed you know, to be nothing like your everyman. Yeah. Complete opposite of Die Hard, in which Bruce yeah. Willis is playing your everyman, which is why everyone likes that movie. Man, Mr. Jumphead jumping ahead to a future podcast. <laughs> well, we do. Have we settled on it? I guess no, we have now, no, right? We'll, 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 we'll get to Die Hard. Unknown which one we're going to do next. But So any, any final thoughts, guys? I thought it was enjoyable to watch it again. Very dark. Yeah. I, yep. I had to turn up the brightness on, on, my, on my monitor. Yeah. But overall, it definitely kept me on the edge of my seat for, for much of the movie. And I thought, I think very few movies these days do that. I'm, so I, 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 I thought it was great. I'm really glad to hear that because I knew Eric loved this movie because me and him talk about it all the time. I didn't know if you would like this as much. Like I, like I just thought, yeah, I just didn't know. So glad to hear you enjoyed it, man. Any final thoughts, Eric? I think we covered it. All right. Well, other than this has been a pointless, pointless rewind. No, if you like, if you like this, guys, subscribe and stay tuned. Uh, we will. We. I think our next one's going to be Terminator Two, but. Uh, Yeah, stay tuned, guys. Cheers, everyone. See you later. Hasta la vista, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Typical.